Today I catch up with Maria Murray, who is a creative artist, and we talk about making room for creativity by simplifying life and spending more time with loved ones. This episode was recorded at the end of last year, so Maria is now currently on the road. I do believe she's in Poland. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm delighted to be talking to Maria Murray today. And now I've known Maria for quite a long time. We first met at SWPP and I can't even think how many years ago that was. But we've both evolved and changed into a into a different direction. And I'm really intrigued about Maria's new work that she's creating now and how that's come about. So I invited her along to chat with me. So thank you very much for joining me today. Pleasure to be here. So would you like to just start off by telling us at the moment, what kind of artwork are you producing? I actually have um, several things on the go and they all serve a different purpose. So what you see at the moment that I've been producing is the floral work on the black background, which is actually um, a version of photography, scanography. So this came about during COVID and lockdown. Um, and for us, lockdown sort of didn't really end because we were caring for my husband's mum who had a uh, motor neuron disease. From never being green-fingered, uh, the garden became our safe place. So yeah, we started growing flowers and uh, having been a photographer for most of my adult life, I um, obviously photographed flowers. In fact, I found some this is just completely off piece. I found my uh, um, photography GCSE coursework the other day. When I did my A-levels, I did a photography GCSE alongside it. And most of my sort of portfolio was flowers, <laughs> weirdly. So I actually started from photographing flowers and, and it feels like it's a full circle. So going back to uh, the flower growing, I photographed flowers and I couldn't quite get the effect that I really wanted from the photography. I just wanted something different um, and I started drying flowers and I started experimenting with scanography. It took a while to hone the results because the backgrounds were not pure black and well the depth of field is not something you can change when you use a scanner unlike a camera. So I ended up suspending these flowers on sort of a fishing line and I built a special box with holes to poke them in and sort of suspend them away from the surface. There was a lot of experimenting, but in the end, I found my style, I guess, with with that work. To really give you a little bit of an insight on a lot of my my first series was called Old Love and it was a sort of a, a nod to my grandparents who were together for 50 years. Um, and there was something really lovely about the relationship where I just remember my nan brought me up, my mum didn't. Um, and I used to see my granddad sort of, you know, in the 70s, 80s, and um, she would walk past and he'd like pat her bum or pull her onto his lap. There was this sort of warmth and connection and affection between them. And for me, as a child, I would think there was something about their connection that I loved. The old love, the idea behind those couples is I posed these flowers on my scanner like I pose people because I've been a people photographer for a long time. So I wanted to give the finished image a sort of energy. And just to give you a bit of an extra dimension on that, the first 
the first one that I did was uh, peonies from my garden and I was experimenting with different ways of drying them so purely by accident I ended up leaving them out because they were drying on a trellis I ended up leaving them out in a storm and actually I forgot about them for a few days and then they dried out in the sun again and I came out and they looked so beautiful the petals sort of almost like windblown so I thought oh I like this and I started leaving things out in the rain then drying them again then leaving them out you know and and actually what for me that was a, a parallel with life you know how these old couples they've been through a lot in their life through storms through good things through bad stuff there was sunshine there was rain and as they get older they you know the age so so just going back to where all this came from at the age of 41 I had a hysterectomy we 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 tried for a second child for about 10 years it never happened for us I had a lifetime of pain with endometriosis and I had a hysterectomy at 41 and that was my some people would call it midlife crisis I don't believe in that term I believe in the term midlife opportunity I think we all come to a fork in the road at some point in our life. And for some people, that's late 30s, 40s, 50s. It doesn't really matter when I think that fork happens. And this could be anything. It could be a, you know, health related like I had. It could be a divorce. It could be a new relationship. It could be whatever. It doesn't matter. There's always a fork. And I sort of stood at that fork and I was like, is this it? You know, I worked really hard in photography. I was successful. But I was working way too many hours and, you know, working to what? Keep a big house above my head and pay a big mortgage and what? Just to have stuff. I've never been a materialistic person. I just sort of felt like, okay, something's got to give here. Something's got to change. I actually retrained as a couples counsellor, as a relationship coach. Also, I did something called fusion therapeutic life coaching, but it's back to my fascination with relationships and psychology. So I'm a big fan of a lady called Esther Perel, that, and she says that the quality of our relationships determines the quality of our lives. So for me, relationships are a huge thing. And I found when I was doing those scans, just bringing it back, the oldest stuff that I have going on with relationship psychology, that's sort of what occupies a lot of my space in my brain is it's sort of intertwined into the art I was always thinking about what these flowers what feeling I wanted to get you know when I was posing them and some of them people think you just chuck something on a scanner and it just comes out it, it doesn't <laughs> I did a piece called I've got you which is two tulips with a little tulip in the middle and when you actually look at it closely I made that on a day when I was feeling really emotional about my daughter leaving home she left earlier this year in February and I just really needed to make something for her that she could have hanging on her wall that would say to her we've got you it took about I think 55 passes of the scanner before I was happy with what was coming up on my screen all the little arms intertwined and if you can see there's my husband's arm sort of coming up to dry my tear and we all sort of intertwined together and and she's hanging on to us and I was really happy with, with how it turned out. So it's not just a case of chuck the flowers on a scanner. Um, and I ask, as people have asked me, you know, how long does it take to make the artwork? Well, it can take 20 minutes. If I chuck it on a scanner and it's the right energy, I could have a ready something ready. But, but, but you know, I find that the 
ones that speak to me most do take a little bit longer because there's a process. But if you were to really hone down on the process, the ones that I have done, you could say they took over a year to make because I've got to grow the flowers first. It was like going from seed to print. As you say, all the work that you've done and the training that you've done and the thought processes that you've been through, you really understand about the why behind your work, which is the, the, the most important thing, isn't it? That is the thing that there's a lot of people that work in, in the creative world, but they don't understand it. They don't understand why they're doing it. don't understand their inspirations behind it and their drive behind it. But I found that actually really interesting, the relationship idea. And I can see that in you because of the, the, obviously the, you know, the babies and the, the, the newborns that you used to do and then moving forwards. And I, I love that. <laughs> I totally love that. What I did want to pick up on a couple of things when you said uh, it came full circle. So you, you, you were looking back at your GCSE work and, and there's a lot of parallels with what you said there with, with my work. When I was at university, I was doing in water photography, trying to photograph waves in the water. Fast forward 27 years, <laughs> I'm doing the same thing. And it's, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it's a, a result of a very self-aware person going back to who they originally should have been or had, having this love um, that was, that's deep inside of them. And it comes, if you allow it to come out, it comes out eventually. And you've just, mm. you've your whole life process and you, you, the thoughts that you've had, it's, you've just allowed yourself to return to that with the added benefit of having this, the deeper connections of the relationship mm. idea. Mm. So that, and that's why it's quite powerful. Does that make sense to you? Does it kind yeah, of? Uh, yeah. And, and by the way, I, I love your work. It's beautiful, isn't it? So I've got a lot of work on um, nature as in photography work, so not sconography, trees mainly, trees and the sea actually. Um, which will see the light of day at some point, just not yet. <laughs> and it's nowhere near your standard, Margaret. I could not, do you know what? I'm sure that you, I do a lot of ICM with, with leaves, but also waves, but uh, I can clearly see from your work that you obviously use a tripod. I have never used a tripod in my life for anything. <laughs> I absolutely hate the things. So <laughs> a lot of people do. A lot of people hate tripods and they just don't don't like them. And I think it's just personal choice. It doesn't really matter either way. I just uh, it's just my thing. But there's a lot of people that don't actually like them. You don't need them. You don't need them if you don't want well, them. Well, for the long exposures, how do you not need them? How would you get over a long exposure without a tripod? Well, you just have a you have a complete ICM. You don't have anything in focus. <laughs> okay, okay. But if you want to get away from the ICM and do a long exposure, you do need one, don't you? You need yeah. a tripod. Yeah, yeah, you need a tripod. That there's there's quite a lot of change for you at the moment. Do you want to just do you mind talking about that? You can just tell us what's happening for you at the moment. Change is a, is a thing for me. I'm a change advocate. I love change. It changes evolution. We'll put it this way: we're in an Airbnb at the moment, which is 38 square meters. And our, pre our living room from the house we move out, moved out from was 52 square meters. So we're living in a space which is, yeah, 15 meters smaller than our living room in our previous house. So the house we had served a purpose, but it just became a beast. It was unnecessary. So Isabel, my daughter, left home in February and Wayne's mum passed away in May. So it was just the two of us. We always knew that when these things would happen and we knew they were coming, that we would be moving on. I decided that five years ago when I started scaling down my photography business that frankly, I don't want to look back at my life when I'm 70 and go, what the hell was that? Just 80% work. I'm like, 
time with my husband. I like time to create. I like time to myself. So I consciously started scaling down the work. But the thing is, I love the idea, as I'm sure most people do, of being completely mortgage-free, which I can't be in the UK, at least not in a place that I would want to live in. So the bottom line is, we choose. And I made a choice that I would rather not have the big house, not have the big studio. I would rather simplify my life and have more time for my loved ones. And I don't really care if that means I have to change where I live or the book that I live in. Of course, I care because I want to be close to people. But but I think my home is with the people that I love. I'm perfectly happy in my little Airbnb at the moment, which is a bit of a stopgap. Amazing living in a smaller place. We sold a house uh, we completed in September. And part of the sale, the deal was that I get to keep my studio until the end of the year to give us three months to sort of, for me to sell off all my, uh, all our belongings. And for that period, we just got an Airbnb for three months. So we travel to the studio two, three times a week and we are just listing stuff and selling stuff. And then we off to, I think we've decided we're going to go to Poland first and we're going to spend January and February again, Airbnb for a couple of months. So we'll see. We'll see. It feels weird. I won't, I'm not going to lie. It feels weird not to have a home. And it's only the last really week or two that I've been able to slowly dial into the feeling of freedom versus the feeling of loss. But I think we've had so much loss this year that inevitably I think we have to have a period of grieving for, you know, we've lost people, we've got the empty nest, we've sold our home, there's a lot of loss. And I think, you know, I'm kind of into don't live in the past, but allow yourself to feel feel your feelings. So Yeah. 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 It's actually quite funny because you you I didn't realise all of this, but your story is very, very similar to mine. And my boys had just left home in September. And you know, it was the same same sort of path. My dad died in in March, and um, my house is up for sale. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, too, it's too big. It's four bedrooms, um, and it's got an Airbnb in the garden. It's just it's, it's a little bit too much. So um, yeah, it's all change, and I I agree with you. I'm I'm with you on that. I I embrace change, um, and I think it, allowing more space for your creativity rather than having to run around earning money to pay the mortgage. <laughs> is a more sensible choice in life. So yeah, I'm doing the same thing and not, not in quite a dramatic, dramatic way, as you, but, but very similar. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really great to hear somebody else who's on the similar sort of, um, values, I suppose, and, and thought processes. So um, what's the dream, I, I, Margaret? What's the dream? Tell me. What's the dream? Well, well, I think the dream might come true, actually. Um, I, I've always wanted to go and have a house on Harris. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, well, that's that's what's happening at the moment. But I'm just going to see whether the house sells or not here. So it's a tricky time, tricky time. Yeah. So, But it, it, it's all bound by that idea of wanting to be more in nature and, um, yeah, have a, an easier time so we're not, I'm not um, constantly having the pressure of a, a mortgage in a big house. It's exactly like you. And, it, and my house has served a purpose, so. Well, I feel it served a purpose. And, and for me, I think it's, it's a case of thriving rather than striving. You know, we spend so much of our 20, 30, sometimes 40 striving. There comes a point where you just say, do you know what? I just want peace now and I want less. And don't get me wrong. I actually don't have anything against money because I think uh, – 
it's great. You know, of course it's great to have money because it gives you possibilities and everything else. Uh, but I'm just not that bothered as long as I've got enough to be comfortable. I've never been a person into flash cars, designer labels or anything like that. I like nice food yeah, and, and I like my camera gear to be up to date, but I don't really have that many requirements. I don't even, you know, I don't that much care about cars. I don't really wear jewellery. I can't really think <laughs> of many materialistic things that I care about that much. Oh, I like a good perfume. I like a good perfume. I like do to you? smell nice. I do, yeah. <laughs> I think we might almost be twins apart from the perfume, but I don't like perfume. But but yeah, I'm I'm very, very similar. I don't have that that need for, for things that, that I suppose there's a lot of things like um cars that, that people people buy because it makes them look good or you know it's about what other people think of them or uh, I don't really have that I don't really care um so so very very similar in that as well so but I think that 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 creative drive in both of us is probably what overtakes that need to feel like need to have these things because that's the important thing for me that's that's the that's the goal being creative being outdoors and and feeling well so it's really nice to have heard your story. And so thank you so much. If anybody wants to go and look you up online, um, can you just tell us where to, where to go? Uh, yeah, I would probably say that, well, the main website now is mariamari.co.uk. I've got quite a few things on the go. I'm just relaunching a wall art business called Fly Me to the Bloom, which will be back online later this month. Obviously, good old Instagram or how often I manage to post like once a week, which is a Maria Murray creative. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for taking the time to, to speak with me. Lovely to speak to you, Margaret. <laughs>